The following message is by Pastor Peter Cho of Emmanuel Community Church. More information about the ministry of Emmanuel Community Church can be found online at www.emmanuelcommunity.org. I wanted to share a quick praise. Uh, last month, Kim, my wife, who was up here with the elementary kids, if you didn't know, uh, she, she was diagnosed with uh, stage 4 lymphoma uh, over five years ago, and she visited her, her oncologist, which is your cancer doctor, uh, last month, and she got a clean bill of health, so praise God for that. But... Because it's been five years, uh, the oncologist actually said, you know what, you don't have to see me anymore. You, you're cured. So, you know, it's been a long journey, and I know that um, we weren't at this church five years ago, but I know that many of you were praying for us because uh, Christina, Kim's younger sister, was at, was at ICC and was asking for many of you to pray. And so we're so thankful for, for all of you that were praying for us. Um, you know, when Kim was in the midst of her cancer, uh, there were there was quite a few um, touch and go moments, and I remember, you know, in the middle of her chemo treatments, there was this one particular drug that was called methotrexate, and this was this was like our least favorite drug because it had to be injected via spinal tap, and so they come out with this big needle, and they just push it into your spinal cord on your back, and and they inject it. And it's supposed to keep the, uh, the cancer from attacking your central nervous system and your brain. And, uh, but what we found was that uh, the spinal tap would, for Kim would trigger these really massive headaches. And so every time she tried to sit up, like she would just be like migraine, just unbelievable pain in her head. And so the only way that she could find relief was by laying down. And so she was just horizontal, like for days, and over a week had passed by, and we're like, this is not getting better. Usually it resolves itself within a day or two. And so we had to go back to the hospital and do this other procedure called a blood patch. And what they do is they take some of her blood and they inject it back into her back, and it's supposed to go into um, basically her spinal cord um, and, and clot up or these holes because their spinal fluid was leaking, and that's what was causing all these really intense headaches. And the doctor said, well, the downside to this is that it's going to feel like, it might feel like someone's taking a baseball bat to your back. But, um, you know, for us, it was like, you know, that's still better than these perpetual migraines. And so we got the procedure done, and it was successful. You know, a few hours had passed, and, and Kim could, you know, her headaches were gone. She couldn't really feel her back. But as the night progressed and some of the, um, you know, the pain relief kind of wore off, um, she just started to get these really intense back pain on her lower back. It was really sharp pain. It was so bad that it was, it was literally taking her breath away. And I remember we, I, she was having trouble just even moving, and I got her upstairs, and I was going to help her lay down on her bed, and she couldn't even lay down. She was just screaming in pain. And at certain angles, the pain was so breathtaking that um, you know, she couldn't breathe, and she was just nervous to move. And so I remember I just kind of, at that moment, just tried to put my uh, other two kids, Tim and Selah, down uh, to bed. It was like 9 o'clock at night. My oldest son, Caleb, was at a, base, or a basketball practice with a friend. And um, 
when I got back to uh, Kim after putting uh, my other two kids down, you know, she, she was about to pass out. And so I grabbed her from behind. And I was just trying to hold her up because literally she was going unconscious. She was hyperventilating because the pain was so intense. She couldn't even breathe. And so I was just trying to tell her to focus on breathing. Just breathe in, breathe out, take deep breaths. And, and I'm holding her. I'm just edging my way to the phone and calling 911. And, you know, within a few minutes, they're at my door. They, they couldn't get in. And my son, Caleb, had just come back from bas- basketball practice with his, um, with his friend who had driven him there. And he actually opened the door and directed them upstairs to where we were. And so in that mad scramble, I'm trying to get all my stuff. We end up going back downstairs. At this, you know, Caleb's only nine years old. This is a picture of our family. This was about just over five years ago, how old my kids were. Caleb was only nine years old. And um, I remember distinctly, we had all these people in my room, or in the living room, all these paramedics, all these firemen, uh, you know. uh, um, And Caleb was standing on the couch. I'm about to go to the hospital and jump on the ambulance with um, the paramedics. And nine years old, and I'll never forget, he looked at me with this blank face, and in front of all the firemen and all the paramedics, he asked out loud, Is mom going to die? And you know, there was a moment of silence, and we were all kind of stunned because, you know, especially me, that, that's not typical of Caleb. If you know Caleb, he, he's a little bit on the shy side, kind of like I was when I was younger. And I knew that he would never ask this question, especially in front of all these people, if he really didn't need to know the answer. And so I remember walking towards him, and I just grabbed him by the shoulders, and I said, Caleb, mom's not going to die. She's in a lot of pain right now. She can't breathe. We're going to take her to the hospital, and, and she's going to be okay. And um, I remember as soon as I finished telling him that, his small, stoic face just burst into tears. As I was preparing this message, the story came to mind, and, you know, it's a moment of crisis, especially for a nine-year-old boy. You know, he didn't wake up that morning thinking, his mom going to die? Right, And yet, in that moment, this was the one question that was burning in his heart. And no other question mattered. He needed an answer. And because he suddenly realized, this is the biggest question. This is a really big question. And I need to get an answer to this question. And I think that's life in a nutshell. You know, uh, sometimes we get so hot and bothered when we think, that there are so many big questions that we need answers to now in our lives. But really, um, I think what so many of us see as big questions are really just small questions, right? Um, for my nine-year-old daughter, Selah, uh, her big question right now is, why don't I have blonde hair and blue eyes? Uh, my 12-year-old son is, why won't my parents let me have an iPhone 7? Right? And for you graduates here today, I'm sure you have a lot of questions too, right? Like, What will middle school be like? What will high school be like? What will college be like? And the truth is, this never really changes as you grow up, right? There's so many unknowns. And so the questions continue. They just change a little bit. How do I get into a good college? How will I pay for a good college? How do I find a good job? How do I get that promotion? Where should I live? Who should I marry? When should we have kids? When should we stop having kids? How do we get our kids into a good college? How do we pay for a good college for our kids? 
How do I retire? When will I retire? Will I ever retire? <laughs> and of course, where did I put my car keys? <laughs> <clears throat> you know, these may all seem like very important questions, but the truth is we deceive ourselves if we think that if we find the answers to these questions, that somehow we will find happiness, we will discover peace. But sometimes it takes a moment of crisis, you know, just as Caleb discovered, to realize that these questions aren't really that important. There are far more important questions that need to be answered before we die. And this morning's text comes from Psalm 100. It's a very short chapter, only five verses, but it's such a powerful psalm because within these five verses, I think we discover answers to the biggest questions in life. So let's, let's read this together. It says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. Amen. Now, obviously, this psalm is a call to worship, just as Pastor Eugen read uh, this morning before we began our worship. But it's more than just a call to worship. It's a call to worship that's calling a joyful worship because of very specific reasons. And it tells us in very plain words why we should worship. It's because for those who know God, life's biggest questions are answered. Questions about our origin. Questions about our identity, our purpose, and our future. Those are the big questions. Those are the most important questions in life. And you may not think so right now. Maybe not in this moment, but when crisis hits your life, you find all the small questions, they just kind of disappear. And really, there's just a few big questions left that you really need to answer that are the most important. So origin, how did I get here? That's a big question. Identity, who am I? Purpose, what am I here for? Destiny, where am I going? The Psalms tells us that we can worship God with joy because a sovereign God, a God who created and controls everything, created us. Verse 3 says, Know that the Lord, He is God. He's sovereign. It is He who made us, and we are His. And this is a very meaningful statement because it means that your life and my life is not a cosmic accident. We are not just single-cell organisms that evolved into apes, that eventually evolved into human beings. We are more than just matter and energy and chance put together. Someone far more powerful than us carefully fashioned you, and he created you, and he knows you. That is how I got here. That is how you got here, how all of us got here. It is he who made us. And the psalm goes on to tell us that not only did God make us, but we are his. We are his people. 
We are the sheep of his pasture. For those who know the Lord and know him as their God. And this answers the big question of identity. Who am I? And you know, this, this is probably the biggest question of our culture today. It's the most dominating question of our time. Says, I've said this many times before, but I think it's worth repeating, especially with you know, all the young people in the room. Kids, you are living in a world where everyone wants to define you, right? And they want to define who you are by the way that you look, by the grades that you get, by the clothes that you wear, by the things that you have, by the things that you don't have, by the sports that you play. It will never stop. But even the world knows, like, you know, there's really, it's a pointless game. And so the world solution is, well, you just got to shake it off when the world starts to label you. Because the player's going to play, 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 play. And the hater's going to hate, 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 hate. So just shake it off. Shake it off. And just do you, right? You get to define your identity. But God tells us that no one gets to define you. Not even yourself. Only the one who made you gets to define you. And he says, you are not defined by who you are. You are defined by whose you are. If you know me, you're mine. We are his people. The sheep of his pasture. This is as intimate a language as you could have used in these ancient days. A shepherd knew his sheep. A shepherd loved his sheep. A shepherd would give his own life for his sheep. David, the one who wrote this psalm, Psalm 100, on many occasions, we know, risked his own life for his sheep. And this is true of the good shepherd as well, who gave his own life for his sheep. We only know who we truly are when we first discover who he truly is. And God says, if you know me, then you will truly know yourself because you will know that you are mine. And if you know me, you will know how much I love you. Has anyone here seen Toy Story 2? Um... I actually think the first and third Toy Stories were better movies. (laughs) But there was one scene in Toy Story 2 that really got to me. And for those of you who haven't seen any of these Toy Stories, um, one of the main characters is this toy cowboy named Woody. And early on in the movie, Woody, he goes through this crisis and his arm gets accidentally ripped off. And so he and his group of old friends, they're trying to do everything they can to help him fix his arm. And in the course of this... Woody meets an older cowboy named Stinky Pete and um, a cowgirl named Jessie, and they start to warn him from their own experience that, you know, his owner, Woody's owner, Andy, this young boy, one day he's going to grow up, and he's going to forget about Woody and all the other toys, and he won't be loved forever. And... Stinky Pete and Jesse, they convince Woody that, you know, life in a museum, that's where it's at. Be far better because you last forever and you'll never be forgotten. And so even when Woody's old friends, they come back 
for him, and they want to get him, and they want to bring him back to, his, to Andy, his owner. I want you to see what happens. I'll just show this short clip. Somewhere in that pad of stuffing is a toy who taught me that life's only worth living if you're being loved by a kid. And I traveled all this way to rescue that toy because I believed him. Well, you took your time. Let's go, everyone. What about Woody? He's not coming with us. But, but Andy's coming home tonight. Then we better make sure we're there waiting for him. choice, Buzz. This is my only chance. To do what, Woody? Watch kids from behind glass and never be loved again? Some life. I can't stop Andy from growing up, but I wouldn't miss it for the world. No! Buzz! Yes, yes? I'm coming with you! Wait, 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 wait. I'll be back in just a second. Way to go, cowboy. <coughs> oh, the kids got so quiet for a few minutes. Um, if you notice, I don't know if you could see it on the screen, but... When Andy picks up his boot, he he's dusts off the sole, and you see the word A-N-D-Y. It's Andy, his owner's name, written on his boot. And in that moment, he remembers who he truly belongs to. In that moment, he remembers who he is, and that he's loved. And suddenly, he wants to go back. Because as his best friend Buzz Lightyear reminded him, life's only worth living when you're being loved by a kid that is loved by the one to whom you truly belong. And I think that sums up where we stand as God's children. That our ultimate purpose is to love and be loved by God. This is why we're here. Why am I here? 
This is the next big question. It is God who made us. And if we are his, why did he do this? What is the purpose? Why am I here? And the answer to this question, I think, is found all over this chapter from beginning to end. Out of our love for him and in response to his love for us, we are here to glorify God. And one of the most powerful ways that you can do this is by allowing your life to be a joyful expression of your love for him in worship. Worship that is defined by giving. Worship that is defined um, by giving because he first gave. Not motivated by trying to earn God's favor, but worship that already recognizes God's favor upon us. It's already given to us through his son. Worship that overflows with gratitude at the realization of his grace and his mercy. And that's why in verse 4 it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Kids, when someone gives you something for free that is of any value, what does your mom and dad always tell you to say? That's right. Say thank you. (laughs) It could be a 10-cent lollipop. Say thank you. And this is all that this psalm is really calling us to do. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. And why are we called to give thanks? Because God has given something to us. It's not a 10-cent lollipop. Something of far greater value. And he's given it to us for free. Thank you, Jesus. Destiny, lastly, where am I going? This is the final question. This is the last big question, and it relates to our destiny. We've been told how we got here. If you know God, you know who we are and why we are here. But now where are we going? For those that know God, truly know him, the promise is that we will experience his perfect love, not just now, but forever. Forever, And this is why verse 5 says, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And His faithfulness to all generations. So no matter how bad things look in your life, we already know how it's going to end. For those who know God. God's love will prevail for those who know and love God. Um... Back in 2005, uh, I, I, went to, I graduated from the University of Illinois in Champaign. And um, I'm a big fan of uh, the Illini basketball. It's been a very tough decade for us. <laughs> but um, in 2005, we had this team that was a real juggernaut. Uh, D, it was led by D. Brown, Darren Williams, and Luther Head. And some of you may remember that. It was about 12 years ago. This team went like undefeated in the regular season, 30-0. And I remember it was so hard for me to watch these. Even though they win every game, it was so hard for me to watch these games because, you know, I didn't want them to lose that perfect record. Now, they would go on to lose in the finals of the championship, which I'm still kind of bitter about. But I would watch every single game, and then I just realized it was getting to me, and I couldn't watch it live anymore because I would get so nervous and anxious watching them play. Um because I wasn't sure if they were going to win or not. And so I had this DVR, 
You know, thankfully, by 2005, they had DVR technology. And I realized, you know what? Instead of watching the games live, what I'm going to do is I'm going to record the games. And about two hours after the start of the game, I'm going to check the score. And if they win, I'm going to go back and watch the game. If they lose, I don't waste two hours of my life. (laughs) And so they would win. And I would go back. Two hours later, and I'd watch that game. It would take me like four hours to watch it because every little detail I'd be watching. And it was a completely different experience when I watched the game on my DVR and I knew the outcome versus watching it live. You know, when bad things would happen during the game, you know, like D. Brown would foul out. Oh, man. Without watching it live, like, what's stupid? Why'd you foul? You know, we need you. You know, if someone turned the ball over, what are you doing? But if I watched it on my DVR, I was like, no, it's okay. We won. Learn from it. And so it was a completely different experience, you know. There was an ebb and flow to each game. But I already knew how the game ended. I knew the final outcome. And, you know, I think for us as believers, we know our destiny. We know the final outcome. We know who wins. God wins. And guess what? We share in his victory. And so we don't have to go through life with anxiety and nervousness, no matter how bad things may look here and there. God wins. Love endures forever. Let's close with this last quote from G.K. Chesterton, who is an English philosopher and author. He wrote this, For the Christian, joy is the central feature of life. And sorrow is peripheral. Why? Because the fundamental questions of life are answered. And the peripheral ones are relatively unanswered. But for the non-believer, sorrow is central. And joy is peripheral. Because only the peripheral questions are answered. And the central ones remain unanswered. I know there's a lot of big words there. So let me explain. What what is Chesterton saying here? He's saying, look, for those who know Jesus, joy is or should be the defining characteristic of his or her life. Why? Because life's biggest and most important questions are answered, and they're answered in Christ. They're no longer a mystery, even if the more unimportant questions remain unanswered. And he says the opposite is true for the one who does not know Jesus. That person's life is not characterized by joy but by sorrow. That's what's central. Because even though many of life's smaller questions may be answered, the big ones remain big question marks. They remain unanswered. Our big questions are answered. God has given us the answer. And it is found in his son. And so, as verse 1 and 2 of this psalm says, this is why, not we are called, but this is why we can make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth. This is why we can serve the Lord with gladness. We can come into his presence with singing. Please bow with me in prayer. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. 
And as they um, get ready to lead us, last one last song. I want us to just think about what word best characterizes your life today. Would that word be joy? Or would it be sorrow? What is most pervasive and central in your life? Joy? Sorrow. And I want to challenge you, if the joy of the Lord is not front and center in your life, then maybe the Spirit is calling you to know that He is God. That you are His sheep his pasture and if you know that joy if you've experienced that joy that comes from knowing him from being his child know too that this joy cannot be broken it cannot be punctured or exposed by the circumstances of our lives no matter how bad because in the end the circumstances of our lives are really just nothing more than small questions small questions that we may not have the answer to. But if we know God, we know He has already given us the answers to all the big questions. We know how we got here. We know not just who we are, but whose we are. We know why we are here. We know why, where we are going. He is God. He is good. And we are His, and His love endures forever. Let's just take a moment in prayers. Reflect upon these truths. Allow the Spirit to speak into our hearts. And in just a few moments, the worship team will lead us in one last song as we respond in worship.